All right, everyone, welcome to a Tuesday class. This is going to be a rather uh, packed topic. Um, I want to break it down into a combination of philosophical in the start and then get into some of the practical stuff near the end. So if any of it seems a bit doom and gloom and stuff, you know, we, we will unpack that as we get to the end. Um, but yeah, let's keep questions for, for closer to the end, please. So, you know, other than the coming metaverse crypto, I think the, the philosophical questions to me of AI have been probably my, my main go-to, my main interest points for, you know, close to a decade as well. And um, it's very daunting. And I think the first thing you have to do is you have to come in your toolkit with, as Dr. Professor Yuval Noharari says, emotional intelligence. In other words, you have to accept that the world of your mom and pop and your grandparents is obsolete, okay? You, you are very unlikely to have the same job your whole life. You are going to probably have to adapt and change many times. And so you must become comfortable with change. I think that is a premise to all of this. Next is the fact that as time goes on, a lot of things will become obsolete, right? We've now entered, you know, this is a pivotal point in the story of AI because we've now got what's called focused purpose AI. So what I want to clarify for people is because, you know, you know if, you, if you say, well, where will AI be in five years, 10 years, 50 years? These are very, very different questions. And I'm going to focus more on the near term and say that we are very close to focused AI, which means that we can give um, a program a vast amount of data and if we give it a purpose, right, that becomes its sole purpose. So if you think of the kind of singular purpose AI that we have now, it's like if you tell it to get you a coffee, it will not factor in air, babies, anything other than solving the problem of getting coffee, right? This is why you've got dystopian novels where, you know, sometimes uh, the whole world might end because you told an AI to make as many paper clips as possible, right? And it's, it's a real thought experiment because it's, it, it can play out in very funny ways. But what is clear is we have given a vast amount of information to different programs and they see patterns in that information and then can do things with that pattern, right? This is why, again, we have focused jobs. What is going to take a, a still quite some time, even though we're starting to get, you know, very intelligent robots that seem to have passed the Turing test and the Turing test is the test of can it fool you into you thinking you're talking to another human that's called what we call general purpose AI and general purpose AI is where we tell the program that the parameters you know need to be what's best uh, for this human and for the planet and for society right you, you're giving them a much more subjective set of things and that starts to get them into the philosophical realm and that then gets us into the whole discussion of consciousness and will it just appear and you know depending on your religious affiliation and belief that's a whole big debate so I don't want to go down that rabbit hole but what I want to say is the current point that we should be looking at right now in the near term is Full, um, focused purpose AI has now arrived, okay? And for security reasons, most of that focused purpose AI is not being linked to the internet, right? Because we don't understand consciousness enough, so we don't want to have drama. And um, 
I also want to also mention that while this impressive kind of focus AI is coming and is here basically, we also have had tremendous strides in hardware abilities. And what by that I mean that number one, we have quantum computing pretty much ready. Um, you know, I am not enough of a geek to go into quantum computing, but let's just say it can solve, you know, mathematical things at a, at, at a factor that is tremendous to what we currently have now in, in, in the binary system. Secondly, we have um, vast advancements in chip manufacturing, both in terms of how much we can store in them, how much they can process, right? And in terms of what they cost to produce, okay? And these are going to all play in, right? Because, you know, a little while ago, many low-income jobs were maintained, like a McDonald's worker, because, uh, you know, when you factored in the cost of installing an automated, you know, a robot to do the job, it might actually take 10 years to pay it off. So it's preferable in some cases to just have a human doing the task, right? But as, as our process gets better, our mass production comes, we're getting the AI element involved here as well, etc, etc. It's becoming more and more clear that, you know, jobs are at risk. So on the philosophical front, what I think Again, to be clear, what we have right now is focused AI. We have equipment and machinery that's coming at a great pace. We have price coming down in all of these places. And, um, and so the question then becomes um, kind of moving away from, well, actually, I'll stick to philosophical for one other thing. I know kind of the thought experiment is important. So I want to give kind of honorable mention um, you know, to things like Neuralink, right, which is Elon Musk's other project, whereby we're looking into, you know, kind of the hybrid of the human, right, the human with a robot, right? And to me, it's not a pretty, it's not that scary. I, I kind of, it interests me, uh, because I think, you know, when we look at some of the other animals in evolution, like an octopus, some of them can reprogram themselves on a genetic level, right? We can't heal ourselves, we can't grow another arm, as remarkable as our body is, these flesh bags are not the most efficient thing. Uh, a very good example is, you know, solving things like Alzheimer's and stuff, right? Our brains do tend to deteriorate, even though they can live hundreds of years and stuff. So, you know, Vitalik Buterin is heavily focused on this kind of solving death or extending it remarkably. Uh, Elon Musk is focused on kind of the, the beginning of the hybrid of the human that inputs, you know, certain levels of artificial intelligence or AI into them. And so, you know, I, I do think that this kind of story in, in, in the, you know, when we look at the positive potentials, we shouldn't think of it purely in terms of machines and humans. You, I just want to draw to your attention that it's very likely we will start to see a push for kind of a hybrid, a hybrid form. And, and, you know, again, Professor Yuval Harari goes into detail on this in his book, Sapiens and Homo Deus and stuff, because you might find people that choose to be Puritans on this. And then you have, you know, there's quite a few movies about this where you have almost superhumans and, you know, humans that are so obsolete because they've got, you know, a lower brain power, they haven't been genetically enhanced, etc., etc., etc. So there is, you know, a utopian side of that. There's a very dystopian side of that. But I just wanted to put that on the table. So that's kind of where we are, I think, in the near future, aka we've got focused AI now. And I want to go into what that can do. 
And while at the same time, we're also developing major medical enhancements that tend to not just cure you, but are looking to try and, you know, integrate some of this artificial intelligence and stuff with humans. And what might that kind of partnership look like? So I now want to move into kind of the, the practical stuff and say, how does this affect our economy? And in particular, you know, Web3 investments and stuff like that. So firstly, from the job market point of view, it's interesting that the jobs most at risk are the high analytical ones, right? In other words, we are more likely to see a radiologist become obsolete quite quickly than we might see a truck driver. And this goes back to that point I brought up before of kind of purposed, pur you know, general purpose AI versus focused AI. Because when you want to say, you know, like take a, a doctor who's looking at your body in, a, you know, in basically a medical algorithm, right? Other than the, the responses you give, or let's take a better example, an x-ray, right? Where it's hard data, it's mathematical data. The AI is going to perceive things very quickly, learn very fast, and, and have a much higher accuracy as well. Because that AI's brain, if you will, for lack of a better term, has access to, you know, 200,000 other x-rays, okay, and can quickly compare and say, I think I know what's going on over here. So those very data-related jobs are likely to go out quite quickly. Then on the other spectrum, as I said, things like a truck driver might actually take more time because we're finding that it's becoming increasingly difficult to just easily, you know, predict human behavior, right? If all cars were automated on the road, right, with AI, with, with self-driving cars, then we would have no accidents because they would all beautifully communicate with each other, no problem, okay? It's like why robots, you know, don't suddenly screw up all the time, okay? But because there's a human element and humans are unpredictable and have emotions and all these other factors, self-driving cars struggle tremendously. Similarly, we cannot replace, you know, border control and stuff, although in some horrifying cases, you know, I think California and a few others want to, uh, you know, give drones guns and stuff. Th these drones are going to struggle tremendously to make a moral decision, right? Is a person running at you fast doing so because there's a wild dog chasing them or doing so because they're trying to charge the fence, right? It will get to that point. But, you know, when we're dealing with something with life and death, we must err on the side of caution. And so, you know, those jobs are not likely to be affected quickly. What we might start seeing affected quickly, and this goes back to the combination of the hardware being built so quickly, as well as uh, singular purpose AI, is we will probably see a lot of um, the low income jobs being replaced, right? Such as kind of, you know, uh, employees in 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 a fast food restaurant, right? Um, just because the robots are becoming cheaper and those jobs are so repetitive. I mean, McDonald's is essentially an assembly line, right? Uh, and precision is even better over there. You know, they're supposed to be very precise on the chip manufacturing, the patties, the amount of sauce, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, you know, that is something we're likely to see quite quickly. Um, now. Before we kind of open up to questions later about, you know, how can you adapt? What should you be doing? Because this is pretty scary. And again, going back to my initial point, you must be prepared to adapt, you know, 
constantly. I mean, that is kind of the stressful part, right, of being a person in 2023 is that, you know, you cannot just assume you might live in the same place forever and that you might just have the same job forever. You will need to keep upgrading your skills. Um, you know, thankfully, it's it's both a lot easier and a lot harder, right? Because you've got so many online things now. You don't have to go to a college or a university. You can, you know, have hobbies on the side of doing your, you know, education and courses, learning like you are here, et cetera, et cetera. That really can put you forward because going back to the singular and multi-purpose thing, the more well-rounded you are, the more employable you are as well, right? Because again, on the very technical stuff, actuaries, radiologists and stuff, you know, you're pretty gone. On the very repetitive, almost soul-destroying Amazon packing jobs or the assembly lines at McDonald's, those are likely gone. But the jobs that require a lot more, you know, the human touch, um, a, a wide spectrum of emotional and, and intelligence and, and, and core intellectual intelligence philosophy and stuff, those jobs are likely to, you know, stay the longest because we really don't know if it's going to take, you know, 30 years or 100 years till we get fully um, purpose AI. Um, okay, now let's talk about this on a practical short-term aspect of how does this affect kind of our investments, Web3 particularly, the markets and stuff like that. So there is a dystopian and a utopian situation with art. Let's start with art, okay? In, 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 in art terms, right, we are going to see a tremendous amount of AI being applied to art. It's, it's working beautifully. It's, yes, it might not have the full, you know, um, it, it, you know, what we lack in efficiency, we make up for imagination and innovation, right? That is the human quality. However, that what we make up for, right, does, is, is quite expensive, Right? In other words, if you hire someone to make you a custom mu music track and they work on it for three weeks or whatever else, you might have to pay them 6000 Whereas the slightly more generic sounding, and it's getting better and better, music track that you can get for a subscription for $9.99 on the other hand, might serve most people's purposes. And so, you know, the, the kind of dystopian part is for the art world is they're all going to become obsolete. I don't think that's going to become the case. I think what's going to happen is a, a slightly more utopian situation whereby the very best will still do well. In other words, people will pay, um, you know, for, for something that's handmade or something that's had, you know, that, that, that really it's, it's going to go down to the details, right? You know, when we're looking at analyzing AI right now, we blow in a way, but also sometimes it lacks creativity of a person that's lived, you know, or a person that's suffered or a person that's struggled. And so I do think that, you know, the very best artists are going to be fine. The problem is, you know, how do you even break into that? That's going to be very difficult. Number two, I think we're going to see fusions, right? In other words, a lot of the grunt work might be done by AI. So in other words, a good music specialist might input things and have the AI might make a track that will be general, but then they'll spend a week fine-tuning it, right? And it's, it's still going to save the company. They'll pay 2000 instead of 6000 And so you'll have stuff like that. In addition, I do think we are going to see 
um, kind of collaborative stuff, right? In other words, a lot of creative work and work in general, by the way, this is, I think this goes for most office people or even creative, is a lot of grunt work that is terribly boring, right? Terribly boring and repetitive. You know, we often joke about it in, you know, this era of saying, you know, one has to do adulting, right? A lot of that grunt work can be solved, right? If you've got drones dropping off the shopping, if you've got, you know, the filing robot doing all the filing and, and the cleaning and stuff, a lot of the, the menial tasks that, that we accept as mature humans need to be done could be replaced, right? Freeing up a tremendous amount of time. Now, that freeing up of time will allow people to explore creativity and other things, but also in from a creative job point of view, right? From just an artist's creative point of view, it will give them a, a lot more time to focus on coming up with, you know, original ideas, pushing the boundaries and stuff like that. And I'll give you a very good example. When, before Unreal Engine came out, right, which is not AI, but it's a very powerful engine, a lot of artists who designed in places like Second Life would spend, after creating their item in Blender or ZBrush or Maya, would then have to spend sometimes two, three, five hours getting, you know, implementing, bringing that object into the environment and making it fit beautifully, right? Manually adjusting shadow, manually adjusting sky. Because the, the UI has now, because Unreal Engine now does that all for you and optimizes, it's now freed up a, a tremendous amount of hours for artists who can now focus on doing more creative things, right? So that is very much to me a positive, okay? Because Think of then artists almost as becoming their own art directors, right? They've got all these tools at their exposure and then they are like I do when I'm, you know, curating fat cats or juniors, they become the art curator and say, no, this, this needs to be tweaked. Let's, you know, I can focus my energy. Yeah, the eyes are wrong or they, they lack that human emotion that we wanted to achieve, etc. So they can have this host of tools, you know, uh, generating objects and then going in and fine tuning it. Um, I think also, you know, the combination of a human putting in their core ideas and inspiration and goals and then having AI take it, you know, much further, right? In the case of, for example, generative collections, right? Many artists struggle to make 10,000 of something. But if the artist can spend the time making tons of items, right, like components, and the AI gives feedback and says, you know, that basically this won't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, you can very much generate up to a 100k collection and have the AI really do the quality control and stuff for you. So when we talk about, you know, John Carlos speaks about, you know, the scarcity thing might be a problem when we get to some bigger brands and stuff, you know, we, we can have our cake and eat it too. Um, and, you know, so you know, what does this mean for creatives and artists? It means that if you're the very best of your field, you're fine. If you were doing, making money as a five or doing the grunt work and stuff, you're in trouble. Um, you're going to have to find, you know, niches or things that you can do. But the good news is, you know, all of the story is likely to bring costs down across the board, right? So in other words, it's going to become cheaper and cheaper for indie projects, right, to come out. Because, you know, some of the very best talent and some of the very best things come out from big studios because that barrier of entry is too high. Now you've got things like Unreal Engine where you can make the Lion King, right? And so you're going to see many, many more small indie groups 
coming out with focused jobs, right? The barrier of entry for creators is going to become much, much lower. And that I think is positive. So, you know, artists who are, you know, budding artists or people who are following artists, you know, more and more, you, they should be kind of finding their angle, finding their element that is them, that, that they build a community around or, or, or followers around or collectors around and double down on that and outsource the grunt work so that they can spend their time really, you know, looking at the world, coming up with ideas and actually crafting, right? Um, this segues into then um, games and, and metaverse platforms. And there's, you know, the art side has another positive element, right? Let's look at, 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 met, at a metaverse as, as a good starting point over here, like other side, okay? In something like other side, you, you, you know, when you look at Second Life, like I've taken so many, all of those chairs and things are created by different artists, right? They have to be textured, they have to be manually uploaded, then they have to match it with their collection, etc., etc., etc. If, as we said, the artist now can become, the creative can now become almost the art director, they will be able to pump out vast more amounts of stuff that they can then, you know, tweak or, um, or you know, uh, modify or, 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 or spend their time focusing on the upgrades and stuff like that. We want that. And we want that for two reasons. Because number one, that will bring the cost down tremendously, right? We want barriers of entry to come down for mass adoption. Okay. In other words, we can make scarcity uh, by virtue of an artist saying, I'm only selling two of these, right? And then we can see on the blockchain, that's why, you know, items are rare, because if an artist agrees to something and, and sticks to that number, that's a flex, right? But that is created scarcity and the provenance on purpose. But when we don't want scarcity, when we want everyone who comes in to be able to buy a nice house and get a whole starter kit and maybe go to a store and for two bucks be able to really feel like they are a citizen that they never felt in the real world, right? They can have a big home and a whole bunch of nice stuff. That is a beautiful thing. Secondly, also, artists at a much lower price will be able to do customizations for you. So you'll come in and see their chair. It might be that their showroom, what they can do for you, where they'll do their value add, is on the customization of those items. So, you know, for example, let's say they create a unicorn statue, right? You might come in and, and, and ask them to agree. And again, this is where blockchain is so important, so we can check that they're behaving and being honest. You might make an agreement with them that for $10 more, they are agreeing that the purple gold version is custom to you, right? And so we'll see a lot more customization and customization means more self-expression and the more people can self-express and be unique entities in metaverse platforms, the more they will feel immersed and part of it. So that's the positive side of you know the art and I think you know I we've done fair justice to you know creatives it's going to be very difficult for them but I think when it comes to the metaverse creations like when we're trying to empower artists we want as much quality stuff there as cheap as possible for the masses the high-end collectors and flexes we never have to worry about that you know they will go to those top artists that's not a concern and so having you know this problem solved whereby in Second Life 
I would wait for a month and maybe an artist would come out with one set and would put suggestions. Maybe please come up with a Victorian set. And they're like, well, no, I've got five other backlogged. That can all be solved, right? They can be the art director and the AI becomes kind of, you know, their, their support staff. So that's positive. The part that I've been talking to the Crown Capital Governors for for more than a year and a half now, and it's kind of our, our biggest fear when it comes to play and own games, is the problem of bots, right? And I think most people have experienced bots in games on very simple levels. They tend to be, you know, things like the staking bots, right? Like, you know, auto staking um, or mass harvesting or, you know, very the grindy kind of things, right? You know, if you need to cut down wood, you know, your, your bot will work out how to play the system and cut down as much wood as efficiently as possible can work 24 seven, whereas you have to go to sleep. And that's always been a problem. But generally, games have dealt with that by becoming more complex, right? In other words, the way that the, the, what the bots have not been able to do is the esports stuff. And as bots become more and more sophisticated, and we told them that their singular job, no matter what, is one, to stay alive, and two, to stay the Minotaur King, that, that AI we already now have, right? That is laser beam focused AI. And that is a tremendous concern. You know, Michael McCarthy, for example, of Miranda's with asked this question. And um, he basically said, yes, you know, we kind of have to expect that we're going to be looking for it, right? We're going to be looking for it. But um, we're not that worried because, you know, they, they still will have to buy the assets, the assets will be limited, etc, etc. It's not a very satisfactory answer. Unfortunately, I think, uh, it's it's something that, you know, we, we haven't yet solved. And just like with all the scammers that come, you know, with creative innovations all the time, because once there's a lot of money, so comes innovative scammers. Unfortunately or fortunately, we've never had this much money in games, right? In direct player economies. The games themselves are earning a fortune, but there was very little incentive to work out ways to completely hijack the entire skin market, etc., etc. But now that you have these player-based economies where we'll be crafting the items and the players will go and slay beasts and get one of one NFTs and there's a race against the clock, you can be damn sure that you know where there's money, there will be people you know, hiring, um, you know, engineers and stuff to create these singular job bots and AIs uh, that, that will outperform humans. And, uh, you know, again, I don't think we have satisfactory answers yet. And I think it, it, it really, you know, will make games, you know, not particularly fun. I mean, you know, chess has already been conquered and so on, other games as well. So that is a major concern. Games are aware of that concern. It remains, you know, to me to be really the biggest concern of all of us as we as we go into Web3, because 2023 is likely the year of metaverses and play and own games. So watch out for that. In other words, when you are on AMAs and stuff like that, you know, I say to people now, there should be three factors you're looking for really heavily in games or four factors. It better look nice. OK, we want graphics that are good. It better be fun. That is now an ex a given, right? No one plays games that aren't fun. Doesn't mean it has to be, you know, a, a, a complex game, right? It can be Candy Crush, but it better be fun and repetitive. It better have, uh, they better have economic ideas, right? How is this economy supposed to sustain itself and have sinkholes and so on? And this question is, 
what are you planning to do about bots, right? That is the question you want to be asking these founders. And if they are looking at you dumbfounded and saying, you know, um, uh, they don't, they don't, you know, they don't have an answer. Um, Daydream, I'm just going to mute you. You let us know in, in Cafe Text Chat if you want me to unmute you. Um, if they don't have an answer to that question, uh, you should be concerned. If they say, we don't have a satisfactory answer yet, but we're aware it's a big problem and we will keep finding ways to work with it, that, you know, that, that works for me. Um, but yeah, I, I, think, I think we have to assume that is a very big blind spot to this whole kind of coming gaming industry. The good news is it's not just a Web3 gaming problem, right? This is going to go into competitive Dota and stuff like that too, right? This isn't our problem to solve. This is the gaming industry's problem to solve. But, you know, I'm an investor in Web3 games. So, you know, just because it's, it's a global problem doesn't mean it's not my problem too. So, um, you know, that's kind of where I am seeing things go right now for us in Web3. Um, and so to summarize, before I kind of open up to some questions, the key things are that philosophically speaking, we are going to be moving to eventually you know, uh, purpose AI, multi-purpose AI, which is kind of the AI shown in sci-fi, which might or might not be conscious, but fools us enough to seem conscious and can solve complex problems that are not just a singular kind of job that you give them, right? Make as many paper clips as possible and then they destroy the world to make all those paper clips, right? That is where we're at right now. And so in the short term, what we're looking at is which jobs are going to become obsolete how can you future-proof yourself, right, by staying relevant, keeping educated, et cetera, et cetera, and taking into account that in parallel to all of this going on, there is currently also the question of, you know, humans being augmented with robots and AI and stuff as well, which is a kind of parallel track to, you know, them and us being separate. And then when it comes to Web3, we want to be looking at the artists and saying that, look, the very best artists, people will pay for handmade, okay? People will pay for that extra touch. It's going to come down to details, right? We're all going to become experts in details, okay? We're going to have conversations about, well, does, does this look like was AI or not, okay? But on the positive side of that, the barriers of entry for you as a creator or you as a person who wants to be able to come into the metaverse without a lot of money or to start something without a lot of money, you are going to have off-the-shelf packages that are going to do a pretty damn good job, right? And the difference might be $9.99 versus $2,000, okay? And that is huge, all right? And when it comes to the metaverse stuff, we want people to be able to get beautiful chairs and stuff like that cheaply so that they're entry point, right? When we talk about mass adoption, most people want as close to a freemium model as possible or as cheap as possible, right? They want to pay 20 cents for a chair, etc, etc. And so if people can come in and the artists are able to become basically art directors, whereby they're spending most of their time curating and going into the details and fixing up, but they can now create at a much faster pace, they will be able to pump out 10 items instead of just one a month and maybe charge 20 cents instead of $2, right? And so micropayments are going to be cheaper and cheaper. So that's where, you know, I kind of want to stop. Uh, we can open to general questions on the philosophical side. We can open to pragmatic questions. 
but I wanted to kind of anchor it back to, you know, where we are right now in the next few years, as opposed to the bigger question, which is an enormous rabbit hole that I love going down. It's a bit of a scary rabbit hole, but where we'll be in 10, 20, 30, 50 years, I, you know, I don't think it does anyone a service right now to kind of take you on all of those thought experiments when that would probably go for six hours. And um, yeah, cool. So that's where we're up to. All right, let's see, was I tagged in anything? Just on the tail end of what you're saying, you, you got jobs that'll be obsolete, but then you're also going to have the workforce that moves into other jobs that are still in their work brackets. It's going to flood it out. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And the, but this is why, again, Park, you know, if you want the key advice to anyone, you know, one, you know, one of the interesting studies recently is that there's no, you know, when you look at Victorian times or even Art Deco times, right, 1920s, you had kind of the land-owning class, right, that owned all the business that didn't really work, and then you had the workers. Now, most of the biggest people, the billionaires and millionaires, are also working themselves, right? So most of us are, you know, in the if we're in the middle class or upper class, whatever, we're a combination of working and investing, right? We're working to get capital, et cetera, et cetera. If you want to stay relevant, the two core advices are do not be an ostrich over here. In other words, develop emotional intelligence whereby you're ready to pivot you're ready to to accept that you know we're going to have to continue learning hopefully we'll get a matrix situation soon whereby you can just download the modules and so you don't have to you know <laughs> spend all your time learning but you must accept that you're going to be in a pace of probably perpetual learning which is something we do in fat cats we love but for many people i think that's very stressful and you also have to accept that your job title and job in general, will probably change multiple times, you know, in your life, which, you know, many of our parents could have the same job if they wanted to all their time. And, and that is very stressful to a lot of people. But exactly, Parker, if you stay ahead of this curve, you know, capital moves to new places, right? You know, all of these kind of times when the Luddites came out and said, we we're all going to starve or technology is going to replace us. You know, humans are amazing at adapting. You know, when we talk about, you know, when, when some of the conservative commentators like Ben Shapiro and stuff, you know, get asked about global warming and things, you know, humans, yes, it sucks that, you know, the water levels might be rising and some islands will go under. But if there's a hundred year pace for that to happen, humans are amazing at adapting, right? And so, you know, thank you for bringing that up, Parker. Yeah, and one other interesting aspect of the whole job scene, you, you'd see it from the agricultural revolution to the industrial revolution now, now that this computational AI evolution is life gets easier, people work less and have more things. So, you know, there's that upside that's also coming with it. Yeah. Uh, Jacob asked a question, what are my thoughts on universal basic income? I do not have a hard thought on this one. I mean, it's another topic that I spent a lot of time on. You know, I, I've, I'm, I've listened to Andrew Yang. I've listened to others. I've listened to the libertarian camps, the capitalist camps. I know that the, w, the World Economic Forum would love universal basic income. You know, the problem with universal basic income, Jacob, is, yes, it, it's, it's honest in that it says most jobs will become obsolete, but also it's going to put a tremendous amount of control in someone's hands. 
right? If we do get to the point where it's national basic income or universal basic income, who's in charge of that, right? Then you are now really, you know, when we talk about look at coin bureau and stuff, these dystopian situations where you've got credit scores and your, you know, your your ID is on the blockchain, and then also, you know, the the only currency that can be used is a CBDC, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's getting very dystopian very quickly. I think the 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 more libertarian approach and the is that as things evolve, what will happen is the cost of things will come down tremendously. In other words, forget the universal basic income part. That might be something we have to talk about in 20 years, 30 years. You know, there will come a point when really the only jobs we do is maybe creative or, po you know, like we really, there's nothing for us to do. I, I don't think that's going to happen as fast as you think, many people think. But I think the, the approach to reacting right now is to say, what is certain from this whole robot AI, everything is the cost of everything is going to come down tremendously, right? In other words, let's say the basic cost for, you know, for someone is $2,000 in the area. We might see within five to 10 years that their cost has come down to $200 or something, right? That they, there's a real probability of that, which means that suddenly they might only, you know, they, they, will, they will need to only produce this, right, Jacob, as well. So, you know, yeah. If you if we if we say that the you know let's put it like this first step should be removing as much tax as possible second step will be the free market will make things as cheap as possible and then the third step is universal basic income so universal basic income should always be on the table but because it conflicts with sovereignty it should always be the last reaction right we should have it as an option but we should always be looking for the options that give people the most sovereignty integrity and stuff like that. A better question, though, Jacob, is let's say we've solved, you know, the income part, you know, people still find a, a basic income. Where you will have a lot of problem is the issue of people being depressed, right? Most people forge either what they consider objective meaning, if they have a belief system or a religious belief system or something, or personal meaning, right? People want to feel important and stuff. And, you know, I love working from home. I, I love kind of just going where the wind blows me and going into metaverse platforms and stuff like that. But for many people during COVID and stuff like that, they were going crazy, right? Uh, you know, we, we talk about, you know, the, the, the very liberal kind of uh, left likes to talk about toxic masculinity. But what they don't want to talk about is that, you know, men are becoming more violent and suicidal because so many of them are, are feeling tremendously frustrated. And that, I think, is a far greater problem to deal with before universal basic income, whereby people start feeling um, obsolete and depressed and, and having a ton of time to just kind of sit in their thoughts. And, and, and so I, you know, that's where I hope, you know, VR and AR and stuff come quickly, because then people at least can have, you know, live through books and live through experiences and have all the social stuff, right, without, you know, maybe they can forge purpose and meaning that way. So, yeah. Anyone else want to ask anything or bring up some points? Uh, Missy says, you're totally right. COVID gave me the ultimate freedom, but the normal people got caught. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But, 
you know, again, I, I think I think it also matters, you know, one of the key factors in all of this AI discussion is how fast it happens, right? The more time we have, the better, because, you know, one thing that is remarkable about humans, if you look at us throughout history, is we are often very bad at solving kind of global problems, right? We can't all work out carbon emissions and all of that. We're very bad at, but we're very good at adapting, right? Humans have shown throughout history to be very good at adapting on the smallest level all the way up, right? If you go a bottom-up approach, we become very good at adapting. And so if this comes somewhat gradually, whereby people get used to spending more and more of their time online, they get a certain amount of fulfillment from online social friends, right? Because a lot of people, you know, when the whole Facebook stuff started, a lot of people felt like they, they've got many more people that they converse with, and yet very few, you know, less and less intimate relationships. I think VR can solve that, right? Because, or even a metaverse platform like other side, because once you add more factors where the facial expressions are there, you've got an avatar, you can express yourself with clothing and things. It, you know, many people always used to tell me in Second Life that they were surprised how much emotion they brought into the game, right? They thought it was just a game. And then they realized, wow, I'm, I'm really upset with this person. I really love them. Or how could they do that to me? And so I think that the speed of things is going to be tremendously important. Uh, for people's sanity and, and, and well-being. And this is why I keep going back to Yuval Noah Harari, you know, who, who, who's also, you know, he's atheist, but he, he spends a lot of time meditating because you must, you must create this, um, you know, this level of emotional intelligence whereby you're comfortable with things changing, you're comfortable forging meaning through different ways and kind of home is in you, right? You're at peace with yourself. You need to become at peace with yourself, to be quite honest. That's really where it's at. Another thing that's important is we are all hackable, right? As we've started seeing, you know, through your interactions on Facebook and Instagram, they can give you very, very targeted adverts these days, okay? And, you know, it's it's almost a Black Mirror episode. And for those who do have the stomach for it, Black Mirror is amazing. But... one of the Black Mirror episodes, spoilers over here, friends, is dating apps conversing with each other, right? In other words, your dating, your AI will know you better than yourself, right? And it was, you will kind of say you want a part and the AI will say, listen, listen, you go, you go have a drink, okay? You tell me you want the big busty blonde, but I know you're really a family man. I've watched all your things. What you say out loud is not really what you truly want, what makes you happy. I'm going to converse with all the other AIs and we'll give you the three potential matches, right? And that's pretty cool, but it's also pretty dystopian in the sense that you need to be aware that you are a hackable creature and you are being hacked right now, okay? And you can't really do anything about that. It's a bit too late. We're all in this pudding, right? We all gave away our data for free stuff. But please just remain aware that you are being tremendously hacked, Okay, and you know, just kind of be aware that if the you know the, if you know so many people will say marketing doesn't work on them, and then they go and buy stuff, right? You know, there's that I love it. I always love it in Devil Wears Prada, where you know she sniggers at some fashion item that looks similar. It's like two belts that look the same, and Amanda Pearson Pierce says to her, um, you know, you think you don't 
care about fashion, you think it doesn't apply to you, well, that ugly blue sweater that you're wearing is not just blue, it's a specific kind of blue. And you are wearing that because in 2008, you know, Louis Vuitton did a Paris show and then all the, you know, the, the, the other groups copied it and then finally it got to your, you know, generic store and then you get that fugly kind of, you know, sweater right? So we are all being affected, right? You know, there are very few people that don't change their fashion, don't change their habits at all. We are all being hacked. And there's nothing wrong with that if you're aware of it, right? If you're self-aware and you're watching kind of the show unfolding in society, that's the best you can do right now. All righty. Uh, we've, got, we've got 10 more minutes if anyone wants to unmute themselves or ask some questions or just bring up points. Uh, you know, I, I think this whole topic comes, you know, I've tried to keep it grounded to, to avoid some of the scary stuff. There's a lot of scary stuff if anyone wants to bring it up. Um, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm really, I, I'm, I'm one of those people that thinks death is curable. You know, now that kind of, if no one wants to ask anything, I'll go on a little bit of a tangent. One of the reasons why Vitalik Buterin and Elon Musk are my heroes is because they believe, you know, death is curable and they're putting a lot of their money into that. Same with Peter Thiel. And, you know, I'm, you know, uh, I think it's a, a kink term, actually. I'm, I'm very voyeur. I like to watch, right? I, you know, people always say that I'm so passionate. I generally find people and stuff very interesting. And there's this kind of Chinese proverb, may you live 10,000 years, or may you reign 10,000 years, right? They say to the monarch. And, you know, it's also meant as a bit of a curse, but I love that. I would love to be, you know, I, for those who watch maybe Star Trek, you know, there's the Q, right? The Q continuum. I want to be one of these beings that's not immortal, that's amortal, right? I can be, you know, killed, whatever, shot or something. But, you know, we've cured death. I've got, my brain is at its full capacity and I can be around to watch the marvels unfold because even if we don't find aliens, I mean, the speed of things that we're going, I mean, this is the coolest time to be alive. And I say this as a person who's an absolute history nut, but I mean, you know, never mind how smelly it would have been in medieval times, but, you know, kings, I mean, the wealthiest, most powerful people like Louis VIII, it's, you know, used to, used to, uh, you know, Henry VIII used to live with debilitating pain, right? And, and injuries. Oh, you just don't know. Well, not Henry VIII. Yeah, no, Henry VIII's he leg. Like, yeah, Henry VIII's no, leg. No, yeah. it's not him. Please not. <laughs> no, 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 but I'm saying, no, no, but I'm saying, take the most powerful man in England, right? In history of, of English history, okay? This man suffered for 20 plus years from a debilitating pain in his leg from a horse accident yeah. that anyone could get solved today, right? Anyone, yes, in, in, you, know, you know, so. You're so right with everything, but let's, let's come back to AI and all that stuff. For me, if you ask me, I just want to like, we are all talking about metaverse and so, and I decided to become like 110 years old because I would all, I am doing right now and try to work on and try to, you know, expect this. I want to realize and I want to really, really live metaverse. Yeah, 
Exactly. That's what, what I'm working on. So I, I decided I become 110 years old because I'm old right now and I have to, like, you know, I have to, I have to realize it and I'm working on it and we are doing that. Yeah. And um, I have to talk to you. I, I have to write you a letter because I want to invite you to, to Berlin in January because we are... Um, working on the first Berlin Metaverse, and I really want you as a speaker. Well, I really, I need I'm, you as a speaker. I'm going to struggle to do anything before my move in March, unfortunately, but let's talk about it. We'll see what we can do. But yes, exactly. I Look, for me personally, thanks, Park. It was, was a pleasure. For me personally, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get bored from this, right? You know, I... I love the idea of having tons of time to meet interesting people, have experiences, enjoy yeah. art and stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm one of yeah. those people that it's good for. And so that's why I'd love to live 500 years and stuff. But I think, you know, we must be sensitive to, to many, you know, people in society that get their pleasure from sports or from using their hands and stuff like that. And hopefully, you know, hopefully we can find a balance to that. So, yeah. Does anyone else want to want to add anything? A daydream, always I'm going to unmute you if you want to add anything as well. I don't know if he knows that he's, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, did anyone else want to bring up anything? Salty Dog, Ranger, Chio, Ditsy, Jacob, Shiro Yaksha. Yeah, I'll have a mention on, on the AI side. Um, oh, I, I know in the mining, mining industry in Australia and, you know, some of the big players are using... Or going down the pathway of AI a lot, especially where there's no interaction with people. Yeah. And um, the 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 pace at which it's changing is is rapid. And so you know, like we'll have whole mine sites that are run all their vehicles completely on autonomously, and they'll um and that's including all the the large trucks. Yeah. And you know, they can't drive in the same pattern the whole time, or else they put massive ruts and. You know, so they actually navigate through to the mine site. And so when you think of things like that, and, you know, even my particular um, role, which is very analytical, um, AI is definitely coming in. In fact, it's one of the focuses for the next couple of years. And I know that my role is going to be replaced. And, you know, like you were saying before, you've got to be in front of it because it's going to happen. You can't stop it. So... You know, the option now, right now, is to, to get in front and to be, um, you know, maybe a subject matter expert on, on that particular uh, avenue of AI. And, you know, a lot of it's machine learning and a lot of it's around um, setting alarms and, and running within... Um, within limits. Yeah, yeah. And, and, so and, 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 AI, and the positive side of it, yeah, I mean, is that... A lot of these jobs we do want replaced, right? We don't want people working in mines anymore, right? We, we want that solved, right? We want, it can often be more efficient. It can often do it in a cleaner way, et cetera, et cetera. That's good. The fear comes from, well, what will these people do, right? How do we retrain them? What do we give them as both another job and also purpose? And yeah, I, I think that's very positive. And I really genuinely think we will start to see prices come down rapidly at some point you will start to see because farming is going to become ridiculously cheap at some point um, assuming the population doesn't continue to grow right but it's not and so farming construction i mean so many of these things you know and you know again one can go on the thought experiment for ages right like you know did see for example 
health regulations, right? Or building codes or stuff like that. You know, we have so many, because of human errors, we have to have so many checks and balances. But if you have a robots, only robots doing a whole up sky rise, we could have that building go up like China's speed, right? Why does China have such fast speed of putting up buildings? They're not, they're not better than us. They don't, have, they don't have any regulations. That's why they also collapse. But we can have the best of both worlds. We can have that kind of speed because it's all robots, right? And have regulation fulfilled because the robots don't get approved until they've shown enough tests. So, you know, it's very exciting. But I think it's important that, you know, people work out what they're going to do instead. Yeah, yeah, and that's the challenge. Eh, is is yeah. provide, provide something as well as as a as a way forward for people. You know, like we got to look for it ourselves as well. We know that's yeah. happening, but there's also a lot of onus on those that are developing the AI to also look for opportunities yeah. for people to move with it. Yeah, and you know, and a lot a lot of labour is unfortunately you know people that have done like for miners example right that have done a certain job for a very long time. Uh, it, it's a very scary thing to, to take away that job, you know, and, and, and this is why I've, you know, often think kind of some of the academics in their high towers, um, you know, when they call them the deplorables and stuff, it's, it's disgusting to me because, you know, these are doing, you know, very honorable work, right? They're honorable part of society, they do, but, but they, they never plan to have to be trained again, right? They never plan to do anything again. And now you've taken away... You know, when we talk about mining being over, it's not like they can go from a coal mine to a copper mine. It's done, right? It's, it's the same solution for all of them. And so that's the part that's quite scary. Um, but yeah, you know, we will see. We will see. Yeah. Cool. Cool, everyone. Um, you know, well, that's, that's, a, that's a good starting point. I think we've just scraped the surface. I know that WGMI is also looking to put forward a panel. Um, I'm also going to share with you a great video that I just watched on AI as a creative, uh, creative thing. Uh, maybe, maybe Cyril can put this in the show notes. But this was, this was a, you know, a music creator talking about what he expects from AI. And I thought this was fantastic. Let me see this one. Here we go. Okay. AI versus artists, it's called. All right, everyone. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Always a pleasure. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you again on Thursday. Um, you know, soft shawl for our hoodies, but if you haven't bought them yet, their quality is superb, amazing embroidery. And no matter where you are in the world, the shipping has been superb. And we haven't quite reached 100 sales yet, so there's still chance to be put into the raffle. And I think there might be a few other private raffles happening. I'm, I'm planning to do a raffle, I think, and I think also P. Diddy or someone else is also going to do a raffle. So, you know, we really wanted to kind of combine all of that with the spirit of giving. So, you know, if you want to support this DAO and also have something that is classy that you can actually use, um, yeah, cool. Okay, let me stop recording and then I will... Yeah, what Missy wants.